Fish for this podcast. <laughs> Episode 97. Uh. 97. Fish at gmail.com. Also at Visceralist on the Instagram. Had some good good successes with a couple Instagram posts recently. Is happy with. Uh, w- looks like one involves White Claw. <laughs> that claw. Yeah. One is a photo that I found on Hypebeast of Gucci. <laughs> God. Gucci selling a $3,000 backpack it's a pillow holder oh i saw that it holds it you look at the photo it holds exactly one pillow and it's just like a series of straps that sort of looks like a backpack it's like a backpack you just took away the pack part and it was just just the straps and it's designed to hold a pillow who knows how much this pillow costs But the strap—it's just a series of straps for three thousand dollars. Good lord! Yeah, it's it's so confusing. And who's wearing a pillow on their back? Also, if you need to carry a pillow from place to place, yeah. What are you going to a sleepover? How are you carrying your Prada sleeping bag? Right. Does that have some sort of? Is there some sort of thermos device that can you can pack that into or something? Yeah, it's. it's... It's Pack your ridiculous. Prada back sleeping bag into a Givenchy uh, thermos. I don't know that. Okay, that reminds me of a trifling in NYC. I was so we were talking about. You no, know, at first I thought you said a Jumanji thermos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jumanji. Oh, I had to move the mic away from my mouth for that one. A Jumanji. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's got Kevin Hart's face on it. Just looking with big eyed, looking, looking over at the rock, flexing. <laughs> this is yeah, this promotional thing I got at the screening. Uh, no, yeah. So this takes me back. Like we were str- str- struggling to come up with a trifling in NYC. It's just like everything's quiet around here. I'm not not getting out that much. Right. Not interfacing with uh the proletariat. Um, oh, that's a preview. Uh, uh, flash forward uh, to our conspiracy segment later. Uh, anyway, uh, so I was going to say, talk about like me showing up. I went to Trader Joe's recently. There's a line. I want to try to avoid the line. So I showed up at 8.30, thinking they opened at 7.30-ish. I guess it wouldn't be ish, but, you know, 7.30. Yeah. Uh, turns out I get there, the line's not moving at all for like 15 minutes i'm getting grumpy and then i check the website they actually open at nine now that's not a great trifling in nyc um you know and there's not really any way to dress it up either like i was just in a line for half an hour because i didn't bother to check (laughs) before you left the house Yeah. yeah yeah that's okay and then when i get when i so i was only there for probably 15 minutes and then when i left there was no line. So people were just waiting for this line. But if, if you get there like nine 30, like, like I think they're letting more people in slight, like slightly more people in at a time these days. They're, they're easing up a little bit. Maybe. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah, I haven't been to Trader Joe's in a, in a long time. Is there one near you? No, there was one near my office, but the line was always too long. Right. Yeah, people love their Trader Joe's. Yeah. I like yeah, it I think I, it's good. Yeah, yeah, good prices. Yeah. Um, but the Givenchy thing is, um, this is from years and years ago. I was dating someone who was French that I met through, uh, through friends and she was only in the country for, on like a work visa for a time. So we, we didn't date too long, but we were hanging out and, um, this friend of ours, it's a, it's this guy who's really into like high fashion and stuff. And we were hanging out at this bar, the three of us. And, um, I don't know why we were talk, talking about, I mean, this is so long ago, but we were talking about <laughs> clothing lines and high fashion. And I said, um, I said something like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I was trying to show off or something. <laughs> trying to show off. Probably. Or maybe, I, w- I mean, I know I wasn't trying to joke. Like, I actually genuinely said this, but I was like, um, yeah, you know, I saw this one, I was in the store, I saw this jack, this Givenchy jacket. <laughs> It looked really cool. Uh, and they both looked at me like <laughs> big eyed. And then the that record transition, scratch happened. <laughs> record scratch. Yeah. At, at, at Givenchy. You say, yeah, Givenchy. Um, and yeah, record scratch, big eyes to uh, just busting out laughing at me. Dang. Yeah. And like, this is a small bar. I think it was nurse Betty over on Suffolk, uh, which is really tiny. So, of course, everyone turns and looks at me. You see two people laughing at me. I think, I think, you know, the girl might have even been doing the, like, sort of doubled over in laughter in her seat. Because she's, I mean, she's French, right? So I was like, but I didn't know, like, that I had mispronounced it until I was like, what? What's, what's, so I was genuinely like, what's, what's so funny? What's going on? What is this? Come on. Come on. What is this? Hey. Hey, guys. Hey. And they had to explain it to you. Yeah, and then uh, I think the guy was like, through through laughter, because she was laughing too hard to even mm. get this out, but he's like, it's pronounced Givenchy. <laughs> actually, and actually, I th- he, I think he said that, and then she was like, she actually corrected him, and was like, uh, it's, it's actually Givenchy. <laughs> Or something. <laughs> or something like that yeah and you know I, I did study French in, in high school I think I did like two years so I sort of should have known that cause of, like the weird French pronunciation rules and stuff um, you know I'm more familiar with like Spanish and Italian which a lot more straightforward um, uh, than all this weird French stuff like you know whatever we, we know how that works so <laughs> Anyway, thoughts? So then you never talked to either one of them again, huh? I walked out, never saw either of them ever again. Yeah. I told her I'm going to need the ring back. Uh, Put that in the mail. No, it it didn't go that far. That's a hard Uh, one. That can be a hard one to recover from. I feel like that's the type of thing that, like, somebody, that's the type of thing that someone can just keep going forever yeah that could be a good oh you know that's a good point yeah that could be a good running joke yeah on me at my expense like 
you know, with any French word, like, you know, right. like even like the word, I'm not even sure if the word palace is French. It seems like it would be, but she could be like, oh, how, how do you think that word's pronounced? Then, <laughs> yeah, it can be also. Palake? Yeah. Do you think it's pronounced palake? You probably do, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> no. I, Imagine if like you really like, yeah. I don't even know the proper pronunciation. Like you really like the crepes and you want to go out to <laughs> crepes with her. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, that would be a good one because it's actually clep. Uh, <laughs> even with the S at the end, it's still clep. <laughs> Singular and plural is pronounced the same way. Dang. But, but, oh no, crepe. I think it would be. Is there an accent on the. Uh, is the accent aigu? Oh, su, look uh, at you. Got that Miss Armitage flashback coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, how do you think Armitage is pronounced? Do you think it's pronounced Ar- 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 Armitage? <laughs> yeah, that was, see, no, she wasn't that. She wouldn't have done that. Like, it was just a funny moment. I definitely looked pretty foolish and definitely didn't look as cultured as I thought I did in that right. moment. Um, I, I always thought it was pronounced Givenchy. I mean, did you know about this pronunciation uh, for that particular brand? I don't think so. I don't think I knew because I'd only ever seen it in print. Like I'm, I'm not really in the circles where I would be around people talk talking about it that much, right? You know. Yeah, I'm the same. I see a lot of things, and I'm like, man, if I ever have to say what this is, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, a lot of these pronunciations I probably get from Jay Z songs or like. Like other rap, rappers oh, yeah. who talk about like flossing and stuff, like her. I'm thinking her maid, her maid boat shoes. <laughs> Is he pronouncing it right? I don't know, probably, but her maze. I think. I that's think right. a lot of it, like especially in these rap songs, people you know are adjusting the pronunciation. To, oh, to, to fit to fit a rhyme, yeah. A flow, yeah. You're right. So don't don't trust that. You get caught out there. <laughs> trust trust in Jay Z. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'll see you later. I'm wearing Prada or something <laughs> just, just, just to make it rhyme. Then I go out there. I'm like, oh man, I, oh my birthday's coming up. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Prada. What? <laughs> what did you just say? Prada. <laughs> What is that? The knockoff China, like Canal Street version of Prada? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they they like Prada. They they, they sneak an eye in there. It's just the bootleg <laughs> label. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah, I understand you have something a little bit more up upbeat. Right? Yeah, I had like a, a almost a positive trifling, but okay. Now the more I think about it, somebody lost out. Oh, uh, yeah. That that's that's a classic trifling story. Yeah, somebody did. It wasn't me. If I was on the other end, I'd be salty. But maybe... Okay, so let's describe it. So this is, you know, it was like a weekend treat. We'd ordered a pizza for delivery maybe two weeks ago. I don't even know. Whatever it was. Um, So it was just a mushroom pizza. and Just mushroom? Yeah. Mm. And the guy... (laughs) The problem with just a mushroom? Uh, no meat? Are you, no meat? Is that intentional? Yeah, the mushroom was the choice. The topping choice. Hmm. All right. 
suspicious choice for you? I usually will get a pepperoni and mushroom. Oh, okay. Those two flavors bouncing off each other. That is a pretty good combo, too. Yeah, that that hits different. It hits different? See, am I pronouncing Uh, that right? uh, Yeah, I think that works. Oh, God, I got to get off Instagram. Okay. Look at me trying to be cool. It's been going on for years. Mispronouncing phrases, fashion brands. It hits different. Yeah, that's true. That's on the internet these days. Um, But so we did like the touchless thing. So they just came up the stairs and like put it down outside, like knocked and put it down and they just run away, basically. Um, So then I see the pizza box, but then on top is a smaller bag. Like, oh man, did I forget to say like no plates? Because sometimes they'll include plates automatically. Right. Or unless you have to check like plates and utensils. I don't know. I was like, I don't remember seeing that anywhere. I was like, oh, whatever. So I put it down. But then I'm smelling something and it's heavier than plates. And when I open it up, it's a, it's a, it's a nice serving of garlic knots. Ooh. Right. So, you know, that was. Yeah, that, gar- that garlic knot smell uh, definitely hits different. Uh huh. Like you can you pick up on that. And. <laughs> Maybe even before you open the door, you could suspect that something was amiss. I just, good yeah. But then I was like, well, well, maybe somebody, I, and then I, for a second, I was like, well, maybe I'll call them and tell them, but it doesn't matter because it's not like they can come and take it back. They can't do anything once they've given it yeah, to me. They wouldn't do that. Right. Um, then I was like, oh man, somebody's missing out. Somebody really like ordered garlic knots and is expecting them uh-huh. and didn't get them. Right. And they probably pissed off. Um, they're yeah. probably calling, right? Wouldn't you? Yeah, be? but then they can just be like, oh, you forgot the garlic knots. Oh, okay, well, we'll bring them, you know? Yeah, Still they'll get... say that. But then, I'm like, man, but I don't want get the, the right delivery pizza? guy to get in trouble. Oh, uh, yeah. Now he's going to probably fucking pay the price. Like, we're taking this uh-huh. out of your, your rate for tonight or something. Yeah. But then it's like, man, and then he's probably thinking like, oh, these guys just take, take an extra garlic knots. They didn't even say anything. But I had. <laughs> so well, there's all no these opportunity. To... Went through my mind. But yeah, there was no, there was no opportunity for me to return them. Right. I couldn't just be like, no, no, take that contact, bag off the top. Contactless delivery. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't throw them out, so I just had to eat them. I think eating them was the ethical thing to do. The most. Yeah, you don't want to throw them out. <laughs> it's not like yeah, it's not like you can just leave them out in the street no one's gonna have them yeah it's not like i'm gonna go chase down the delivery guy and say here well was it that was it the right pizza though because that's what i'm thinking yes, maybe the, the whole was delivery. correct yeah that okay. was right so that was then yeah yeah you that, get a that, pizza that, that popped it's, it's just sausage and pepperoni mm. that's it <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly i probably would have eaten any pizza i'm not mm. I mean, for the most part, I can just, like, remove some things. I'm not super picky. Except the anchovies. Yeah, I've never had an anchovy pizza, but it has, like, a, 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 either. a, a very bad stigma attached to it. Like, anchovy. Oh, yuck. It does. Is yeah, it bad, I mean, though? I don't know. I guess it's... I don't know if I've ever had anchovies, period. But I think that the issue is, like, the, the fishy sort of smell and taste. It doesn't really... If you're not familiar with it. I don't know. I wouldn't rule out trying it. Yeah. At some point. 
Um, but I don't even know that. Do most pizza places have it? Have anchovies these days? I don't know. I don't even know how that became a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Someone, someone running a pizza place had like a cousin in the fish business who was just like, I can't get rid of these. <laughs> I got millions of them. No I one wants to help me. <laughs> these things reproduce like crazy. I feel like even some of the dead ones are giving birth in, to, to anchovy, <laughs> other anchovies somehow. This is crazy. That would be freaky. He's like, well, you know, the shipment of pepperoni and sausage is late this week. You know, let's oh, fuck it. Let's let's just yeah. And then boom. And there that company was Domino's Pizza, started by the Domino Brothers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So. So I don't think you're out. You're. I don't think that guy is going to be in any trouble. Like it's, it's someone that is missing garlic knots. First of all, they're like three for a dollar. It's not yeah, like cheap. How many were in there? Was it three? No, it was more than that. It was oh shit! Probably like six. Okay, two dollars. That's not yeah, bad. They're not expensive, but yeah, I feel like their delivery guy is the one that's going to pay the price. So I felt bad. On the other hand, it was his mistake. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe if you order another pizza from there, you can overtip the delivery to counterbalance that. Good point. Yep. Extra two dollars. <laughs> Make sure to give this to the guy that delivered this pizza to this address on this date this time. Yeah. <laughs> Only goes to him. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, well, we can transition. Like our our main segment, we haven't done a conspiracy segment in a while. I believe the last one we did was um, Operation Mincemeat or the Titanic it wasn't Titanic. One. I think I guess yeah, probably Titanic. Uh, the Titanic conspiracy. Listeners can go back and I still talk about that one to to someone. I was telling my sister the other day about it. She was she actually watched that whole crazy documentary about it. Um, she was she was into it. Um, yeah, that one makes a lot of sense. That one is very believable. It does, yeah. And I mean, the mincemeat isn't really a conspiracy. It's it's just a cool story that that actually did happen. Um, yeah. The one we're doing today is does involve more conspiracy um, because it is sort of unclear what exactly took place. But we've done some research from a number of different sources, uh, most of them being Wikipedia. Uh, so it's technically not different, but different Wikipedia pages about different people. Um, it involves the death of Grigory Rasputin. Um, is sort of a Russian historical Russian weirdo um, who sort of lucked his way into being incredibly influential in the the last Russian royal family. Um, that famously was was killed during the Russian Revolution um, of uh, 1916, I believe. I should probably have that straight. Um, I do have. When he was killed? Uh, no, when the Russian royal family was killed, his 1917. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 1917. Um, uh, during uh, during the midst of World War One. Um, 
but, but he, yeah. yeah, he was killed like right before that, though. Same, yeah, same, he was like, killed like a year, maybe before. a year before. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Actually, I think I should probably pull this up, but I want to get this straight. But yeah, what was your before getting into this? Did you have any sort of okay? So he was killed in December 1916. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did I have any any sense of him or? And he, sorry, so Rasputin was killed in December 1916. The Russian royal family was in March 1917. So only a couple months later. Um, but yeah, did you, did you have any sense of, um, because sort of, he's sort of in the cultural zeitgeist a bit. Uh, I mean, sorry, go, go ahead. Well, what I, I, I'd heard the name thrown around, but it was always, um, generally associated with like occult things mm-hmm. um i do remember this hbo i don't know if it was a miniseries or like original hbo movie and man who was rasputin oh i think it was the guy that just died um from uh die hard the bit oh main, main bad guy. i think it was him for some yeah reason. i think you're right um i remember you that. saw that I don't think I watched all of it. I just remember it being being like a thing that HBO was pushing mm-hmm. at that point in time. I don't even remember what year it was, um, but there weren't a lot of options. And then there was like, and then Rasputin is featured in one of the uh, um, Hellboy movies. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the second one. Okay. Um, is he like a big villain or yeah he's a villain <laughs> oh interesting well he's apparently like there's been trailers for the part three of the kingsman uh movies like kingsman the secret oh, service with yeah. um colin firth and that that younger guy is his name ansel no that's not that one but that is a that is, is a the, guy but it's not him it's, is so. it the guy who is it taron Ed, edgerton it might it's the be the guy who did uh the the biopic of um, Elton John, I think. Yes, yes. I don't know his name, but yeah, yeah, that's him. So that series has a part three that that originally was supposed to come out in like September or no, it's like November of last year. Then I got pushed to February of this year, mm-hmm. and now it's pushed to September of this year. Um, but anyway, like it's supposed to be like it's a prequel actually to the. To the main Colin Firth storyline. Oh, so it's and supposed to be like Colin Firth's so, story. Uh, yeah, like him as a young man, but it's gotcha. set during World War One, and involves Rasputin. Like Rasputin, I think is one of the villains in it, and he's in the trailer. Um, so yeah, you know, he's he's sort of here and there in the in the culture of zeitgeist. Now, I developed an interest in him a long time ago and just generally like that period of history in Russia specifically and even up through the Cold War um, is pretty interesting and it's something that I just developed a, a fascination with um, mostly through reading um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and other other books by that author um, because that period is so volatile um, just in Europe generally but in Russia in particular um, um, so it's interesting but actually I had, I had heard about his the way he died like i don't know 10 or 12 years ago and it fascinated me because it's so crazy the story is so crazy the story i was told then yeah and i'm going to recount it first basically to give 
Well, yeah, let me hear because that was one of my questions too. Like, it, it didn't. None. Of, I guess I should have dug deeper, but maybe that information just isn't out there. Maybe it's in that guy's book, but it didn't really. Nothing gave a convincing answer to why he would go to that meeting at like midnight. Right. So, yeah, that, that's a that's a key point. We'll we'll get into that. Um, but the way I initially heard it. And just just so listeners have a brief outline of the way we're going to do this, we'll do. I guess we'll start with like my initial like crazy like the crazy story I heard that led me to want to research it more, um, and then we'll get into the key players, and then what the best research that we've had tells about the way he died, and then I guess there's a, a separate conspiracy around that um, involving the British Secret Service. Um, but, base, but anyway, the story I heard was basically that these two, Ru- two Russian noblemen didn't like his influence um, on the Tsar and the Tsarina in particular. The, this is essentially the king and queen of, of Russia. Um, and they didn't, they didn't like him. He was a pe- peasant background and he was weird. And he had, yes, he's it's sort of occult rumors around him that he didn't really put a lot of effort into like pushing back on yeah. um and he was kind of a party boy and just got into trouble and but also had this influence in the in the royal family so anyway these two guys didn't like it they invited him to a party um at one of their estates um like a late night party he shows up it was just the two of them um they poisoned uh his wine and his desserts that he had um and he ate them both drank and ate them both with no effect so they got frustrated they shot him they were like fuck it they just shot him he went down they're like okay great mission accomplished got back up ran out ran outside they shot him some more he finally went down um they tied him up tied up his body wrapped him up in a bag threw the bag in a river and then that was it. But then the last part I heard was he was found downstream by some other peasants who who found the body, unwrapped it, knew who it was. They hated him too. And so they burned him at the stake, burned his body, even though he was dead. <laughs> and right apparently, to make sure. right. just to make sure, yeah. And apparently on the inside of the bag, there were claw marks that could tell that he wasn't actually even dead when they threw him in the river. And then when they burned him, his bones were popping from the heat. They're like exploding. So it looked like his body was moving. So he looked like he was still alive. Now that's a pretty <laughs> fucking crazy story. <laughs> I think I had heard something like that, except for that. I don't remember hearing that bone popping part. <laughs> you remember hearing the pop locking? I did. Pop locking at the stake? Before this. Yeah, imagine. And he like pops out of the bag and he's still going. Like his skeleton is working. Yeah, his flesh burns off, but his skeleton just jumps off. We're free. He runs away. He's in the woods. Oh man, yeah, and then like the the peasants are like they use it to scare their kids into behaving. Like we'll we'll put you out in the woods. Oh, absolutely. Rasputin skeleton. Oh, you don't want that. 
No way. That would keep me in line. Sure. So yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you want me to eat these beets? Okay, and this cat cabbage. Uh, are we ever gonna get any other food? But this beet. Okay, I don't want to make fun of Russian pet peasants, but oh um, dang, man, that's yeah, that was a rough life back then. Yeah, so I looked into it back then, and I actually wrote I wrote a play about a about it sort of, but um, actually about the two guys who planned it and like their reasons for planning it and all this. Um, but I haven't staged, but I, I still have it in my back pocket. I've been wanting to work on it for, for a long time. But uh, in any case, I um, was looking for like a conspiracy segment to do, and uh, this just popped in my head. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, this is probably a pretty good one. Um, so I thought we'd do it. And we, we, did, we did do some, uh, some reading on this. Um, so, yeah, why don't I just go – I'll just go through the notes of the, the – the key players um you stop me if if, if you, anything piques no, your interest on that one i do rem- remember saying something on the death that there was no poison found in his body right yeah yeah we'll get to that mm, mm, got that stomach it dissolved it all the stomach acid a true mystic got that mystical stomach okay anyway yeah he just <laughs> so these are going to be just bullet points, just just the basics. Of, so Rasputin, born in Siberia, um, to parents who had seven other children, none of whom survived, um, which is, that's brutal. Um, but, I mean, that's, you know, that shows, does it show how tough he is? I don't know. Growing up in Siberia. Yeah, from the beginning, it shows. The He's the only one to survive. Um, he got married at the age of 19 to Prescovia Dubrovina. Um, they had seven kids themselves, uh, only three of whom lived to adulthood. So, god damn, life was so brutal back then. Um, you had to have so many, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And a lot of that, you know, with an agrarian sort of economy, the, 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 brutal reality is that you have a lot of kids to help you work work the farm and just make, bring money in basically True. um uh, after 10 years of marriage he went to a monastery and he had a religious conversion um he became a vegetarian he swore off alcohol uh and he prayed and sang much more fervently than he had in the past um so he had sort of a, a religious conversion um he he was rumored to be a fil- throughout his like this time and then into his time uh, with the the Russian royal family. He was rumored to be a part of this <clears throat> this um, I guess you would call it a cult or a sect of like uber uber orthodox. I guess sort of vaguely Christian um, uh, sect called the uh, the Clists. Yeah. Um, who. I had heard about before they this was a real sect but they were they were notorious for um uh self-flagellate these um events where they would get together uh self-flagellate you know beating themselves up with whips basically but also participating in orgies um and drinking and, and carrying on um and so they they were definitely like i guess that they weren't really persecuted but they were 
the majority of the population wasn't really into them. They didn't like them. They were. Yeah, I'd never heard of them before, but I could see people not, you know, <laughs> yeah, being into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so in any case, he he traveled around as sort of gained the reputation as a holy man, and through his travels, he met um, people who were in, influential in the Russian Orthodox Church. Um, and through this, this is how he gained his entry into sort of high society. Um, and he was he met these two sisters who had uh, the nickname. They had two two nicknames. I saw um, the Black Princesses and also the Black Peril. Um, and the Wait, what was the second one? The Black Peril. Huh. Um, they were Mal- Malika, I think I saw that first one, but not that second one. Malika and Anastasia Montenegro, who had married into the Russian royal family and had an interest in, th- in the occult. And so when they came across this guy who, like, I think the thing like across the board is like, he didn't, he, he was sort of a master manipulator. He's very smart. And he knew how to ingratiate himself by being weird and sort of not pushing back. It's unclear if he actually really believed this because he was notorious drunk and womanizer, um, but apparently also very smart. And I think it's like if people, if you look sort of weird like he did, I mean, people can look up photos of this guy. Um, he did he, look weird. He yeah. is creepy looking. And if you're, so he has that look. And if you have people who are, who are, really wealthy and in Russian high society. And, you know, I always say this, but, you know, back before the internet, people needed stuff to do to fill their time because, you know, life can be boring. So, um, and it's definitely not boring now that the internet has, I mean, look at us, we're doing a podcast. This is great. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so pre-podcast era, they they were inclined to believe. So I guess these sisters, if, if they have an interest in the occult, they come across this guy and they're like, Ooh, you look like you must know mystical stuff. He probably is like thinking to himself, Oh, well, yeah, let me see how far I can push this. You know? I, yeah. I definitely see that. It's like, Oh, well, these two are in a position of power. You know, let me see how, how I can, how I can leverage this. They think this, Hmm. Yeah. I can play this up still. Yeah, so, and and they yeah. would sort of probably put all of their like preconceived notions about like about mystics or this cult like ooh I bet he's you know very sexually you know potent or something oh god I can't believe I just said that um, <laughs> or, or like adventurous or like I guess like he has he probably has good stories about cool weird shit I mean, that like, like like you but like you were saying like at that time. All this, you know, there's not a lot. He was from like Siberia. Like yeah. honestly, he could have made up anything as long yeah. as he sounded convincing. He could have told them all types of stories. Yeah, and I guess as long as you lean into that and like don't like, there's ways. Yeah, like you can just be like, if someone comes across and is just like, you know, Anastasia, why are you hanging out with this guy? Look at him. He like you're what you're some kind of mystic, and then he just his response is just stare at you, right, in the eyes until you get too so unsettled that you just are like, you're like, uh, uh, okay, whatever, whatever, and then you just walk away. <laughs> and then he's still there with the sisters partying, and you know, yeah, That's how um, it happens. So in any case. Um, he through through that's how he sort of gained his entrance into society, and 
through that, he met this woman who's another key player um, named Anna Vrubova. hope I'm saying that right. Um, who was a, she was the best friend of the Tsarina, the, the queen, Queen Alexandra. Um, and this woman took a liking to him. And she essentially is the one who introduced Rasputin to the Russian royal family um, and specifically convinced them, particularly, again, the Tsarina Alexandra, that he was a healer, that he had developed, you know, through his travels, mystic healing arts. Uh, and this was particularly important because uh, the only son that the, the king queen had, um, Alexei, uh, was hemophilic, which wasn't really that well understood uh, back then. But, uh, you know, they had a lot of doctors working on him. They couldn't really, I mean, there's, I don't know that there's really a cure for that sort of thing. But, um, you know, they were very, like, they really, of course, loved their son and he was the heir. Um, but he would get injured and, um, you know, it would take, it would take weeks to, to help cure him because of his illness. Um, so apparently he helped. Alexei on two separate times, once in 1905 and then once in 1912, um, where basically, I, I've read from other sources, he, like, I think the issue was that Alexei would have a, some sort of physical injury, he would fall or trip, and then he would start panicking because he knew he had this illness, and that would, I guess, exacerbate you know the the overall hemophilia philia yeah that issue. makes sense you know gets his heart so what, rate going yeah because apparently all rasputin did was he would come in he would lay hands on him and he would sort of pray over him and it's the theorized that this just calmed him down enough to where his body could sort of start healing or so, something like that um but for whatever reason when he did this um the first time in 1905 or, or 06 it did work and he got better pretty miraculously. Um, and then there was a separate instance where he, I believe Alexei fell off a horse or something. And he was severe. He developed a severe hematoma, which is internal bleeding. Um, and this woman, Anna Virbova, who was, I should say, we'll, we'll get into her a little bit deeper, but she was like essentially the go between, between the Alexandra, the queen and Rasputin, because she was the best friend, and she liked Rasputin, basically. She thought he was, you know, a cool party boy. Um, but anyway, this instance is, is notable because Rasputin was in Siberia at this time, and he, but he wired back to them. He said, God, he said about Alexei, this is in 1912, he said, God has seen your tears and heard your prayers. Do not grieve. The little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. And apparently, bleeding stopped the following day. Yeah, I think that was the one. If like if I was in, I guess the queen's shoes, that would be the one that would really convince me. Yeah, like it's one thing if you're there, but if you're just like, I'm going to pray, do this, and I'm going to pray on it, and then he comes through. Wow. Yeah, and especially saying, "Don't let the doctors bother yeah. him too much." Now, you know that could be like it's interesting to consider like. Do you, does, does Rasputin really care about this child or is he seeing him only as a leverage point to to maintain his his foothold in the Russian royal family? There's no way to really know, but I could sort of see it both ways. 
because if he's around a lot, like, you know, as this cute kid, you're going to develop some affection. Like, he's not, I don't think he's actually an evil person, even through all my reading of this. There's no stories of him, like, killing anyone or, like, being abusive to, well, I think he was abusive to his wife. And certainly he cheated on her endlessly. Um, but as far as, like, like he did, he, you know, arguably was able to help this little boy. True. And, you know, he was able to gain friends. You know, particularly the queen, who probably, you know, yes, if, if you cured my son, or I think you cured my son, yeah, I'm going to be going to want to keep you around pretty close if especially if the doctors aren't successful but you know the queen's best friend developed this affection for him like you think about like we we're going through these notable moments in his life but there's still the day-to-day life you know where he's just having casual conversations with these people and probably like you don't you don't maintain these friends by being a complete fuck up in an asshole i guess that's that's my only point (laughs) Especially back then, when they could have had him killed easily and covered it up and gotten away, like there's no problem. Yeah. If if he was really doing, but in any case, um, so he actually got an official position with the royal court. He was the official lamplighter, which apparently they had candle lamps outside of different religious relics or or things within the the um the palace um so yeah, it official... sounds like such a bogus position it really does <laughs> official lamplighter i guess if you just want to keep him around and like maybe have him on salary or something like it's something i mean um but the thing is okay so the key another key thing is like the saint petersburg elite were fascinated by rasputin but did not widely accept him he did not fit in with the royal family i guess aside from the king and queen and he had a strained relationship with the Orthodox Church, um, and there are a lot of rumors still about him being uh, with this this one cult, basically. Um, <laughs> and interestingly, uh, there was uh, there was one assassination. There was he, there was an assassination attempt on him in 1914 by this woman who was a follower of a different religious leader. Um, I didn't look too deeply into this, but uh, this woman, her last name was Guseva. Apparently, she didn't have a nose. Which what? Just... <laughs> I didn't see any of that. That's the one that just like stabbed him, right? Yeah, she stabbed him uh, pretty brutally in in the gut. And apparently, this this injury, um, he never fully healed from it. Basically, and caused him a lot of pain. And apparently he drank he started drinking a lot more um i guess i mean he already drank a lot and partied a lot but this kind of sent him over the edge um he had stomach pain for the rest of his life i mean he only lived another two years but um i mean two years is a long time when you have chronic stomach pain yeah um but the the key thing is she said she believed she had killed the antichrist and i think this speaks to like the grow this is 1914 so he'd been affiliated with the russian royal family for close to 10 years at this point it speaks to like the growing i don't know jealousy or discomfort that you know russians writ large had with this guy because everyone knew about him 
And there was eventually rumors that would develop that, I mean, he was very promiscuous, but that, you know, is he sleeping with Queen Alexandra, you know, is, you know, other people's wives, etc. Um, but it could just be that, you know, they didn't like a peasant having this level of influence with the royal family, you know? It could be as simple as that. Because in those times, you know, you look down on people. I mean, we've all seen Downton Abbey. Yeah, I mean, very, yeah, very much so. Like, even these pictures, I was just looking at them again. He looks just like a lot stranger than everybody. Like, yeah. And, and like, even, <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're looks... in a royal court where everyone's all dressed up to the nines all the time. And he's just wearing, like, this robe that probably stunk like, I mean. Oof. Oh, man, I can't I mean, imagine. I'm sure everyone stunk back then, but some people stink. Yeah, and they're like, "Who? Who is this guy coming in here? He doesn't know anybody. He's some some peasant. Yeah, that got him got himself some influence in the royal court. Yeah, people, no way they're having that. Yeah. So, okay, so that's so I'm going to try to get through these other people a little bit quicker because um, there's like four more. So. There's, uh, as I mentioned before, there's the queen's best friend. Her name's Anna Vryobova. Um, now, incidentally, she was she was actually friends with this guy Felix Yusupov, who's who's the key player and the key planner of, of the the assassination. Um, and apparently, this dude, like, even though they were childhood playmates, he found her unattractive. This is in the Wikipedia article. <laughs> it's a, it said that. It said that he he wrote this about her. Uh, it said that I guess he said something. So Anna is the eldest Taneev girl. That's her last name. Uh, he was she was tall and stout with a puffy shiny face, and no no charm whatsoever. Yeah. Although she was not at all intelligent, she was extremely crafty and rather sly. It was quite a problem to find partners for her. No one could have foreseen that this unattractive girl would one day become the intimate friend and evil genius of the Tsarina. It was largely due to her that Rasputin owed his amazing rise to favor. Again, this is Felix Yusupov talking about um, Anna Verbova. Um, but, but she was the best friend of the queen, and she became the like a go-between between Rasputin and the, and the royal family. Um, and she had uh, apparently in 1914, sorry, 1915, she she was in a train accident and became paraplegic. Um, but she credited Rasputin with saving her life. Um, and yeah, so she was devoted. Apparently, Rasputin was actually buried on her property, um, like in in her her in a courtyard on her like she was another you know russian noble so she had a huge estate she was so devoted to rasputin that she yeah she had him buried on his his, her property now he was later dug up during by the bolsheviks during the revolution who didn't want that that plot to become like a um like what's it what's it called when they think people think a martyr is buried somewhere like oh, a throne, see, like a yeah. like a like reliquary, kind of like yeah, like some kind of rally point, like like yeah, know, this is, yeah. Um, and she was key, um, in in ide- getting the conspirators um, arrested, essentially after it happened. But anyway, I'll go to the next guy. 
Oh, wait, 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 wait. With yeah. her, didn't he... I think part of her, like, really... I don't remember how they met, but falling, like, under his spell powers, I think part of it was the the warning about her, her, her husband and her marriage. And he was like, you're going to have an unhappy marriage. And then it ended. Oh, right, year, right. And the husband, like, went mad and, like, had to go to some That's like, right. mental institution. So who, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah he predicted that yeah you'll have an unhappy marriage. Which I mean, (laughs) back then, (laughs) all these marriages were arranged in any case. But yeah, like like like, but this one did was particularly bad. (laughs) I will say. Yeah, it's crazy. Like he he predicted that, and I believe, and this woman eventually, you know, after the war and everything, she wound up becoming a nun, and I don't think she ever remarried. Um, and it's it's positive that she may have been a virgin. Um, even after all that, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so the next guy is this guy Felix Yusupov, and this is the he's the key conspirator. Um, he is a he was a Russian noble. His family, the Yusupovs, was actually richer than the Romanovs, who you know the king and queen. Um, very very wealthy family. Um, this is a quote from his his Wikipedia page he he went to oxford um to study and apparently he in his place uh in england he had i don't know why they quoted this way but i just thought this was funny says he has a russian he had a russian cook a french driver an english valet a housekeeper and he spent much of his time partying he he owned three horses a macaw and a bulldog named punch (laughs) he smoked hashish (laughs) Wait, he spoke to Shish, played polo, and became friendly with Luigi Franchetti, a piano player. Yeah, so he's sort of a a man about town. Um, you know, there's there's a there's this quote. Uh, his, so his wife. This is another assessment of him from a, from another source. Um, this is his wife's first cousin who's talking about him. Said Felix is a downright civilian dressed all in brown, walked to and fro about the room, searching in some bookcases with magazines and virtually doing nothing. An utterly unpleasant impression he makes, a man idling in such times. Um, such, such times there being reference to the war that was going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this guy's he's a party boy too, um, but just happened to be really wealthy. Um, and, you know, was a, you know, in, in Gracie, or involved in the in the Russian royal family, or felt he had, he had a place, um, but he he became inspired to to take out you know Rasputin. Like a lot of people hated him, but not many people were in a position to take action. Um, but this guy was, um, and interestingly, um, you know, there's this uh, there's an assessment by the detectives based on, you know, after their investigation of this murder of Marasputin, um, someone said, uh, the clumsy way that this assassination was carried out shows it was the work of an amateur. Um, and after the war, and after all this, this stuff with Rasputin happened, um, he, uh, he, went, he was able to get to Paris, but he apparently burned through a lot of his money. Um, I think he eventually wound up in, in England or, or the U.S., um, but two things I wanted to note about him. 
he later in life he he was able to move i for, i should have written written this down he was either america or england when he where he wound up um and it said that arena his wife arena and felix enjoyed a happy and successful marriage for more than 50 years when felix died in 1967 arena was stricken by grief and dra- died 3 years later mm. and i just i just found this was this funny phrasing on the wikipedia article she was she was so stricken by grief that she died three years later <laughs> it was just you know it was just eating at her yeah but another interesting and this is just trivia um so this this guy did come out with i think two different books about the murder of rasputin like he was pretty proud of it um i think even to the end and didn't really get like there was a lot of fuss because the queen was very upset when this when he was hit um and ordered an investigation um and actually um it was uh yeah this so this guy admitted to it pretty quickly afterwards and like like you said like he was like proud of it yeah (laughs) um and just this last thing so he he wrote a couple books. There were a couple of films that were made about the death of Rasputin. Um, uh, it was it was a huge huge event, um, and apparently he sued the producers of one of the films about this and his involvement. But the issue that he he didn't sue over them claim, saying in the film that he killed Rasputin. He had already admitted to it a bunch of times. It was that. In the film, there was an implication that his wife had been seduced by Rasputin, uh. and that's what he sued over, and he won. And because of this precedent-setting case, this is why you see at the end of films and credits um, the disclaimer: you know, the events depicted in this film are purely fictional. Any resemblance to anybody living or dead is purely coincidental. That, like, all films are required to do that because this guy sued the one film studio and won basically look at that yeah that's pretty cool so what do you what are your thoughts on this guy what do you, what do you think um i i think that he thought that like people were going to rally around him after all of this mm-hmm. I, I think he he um well how do you say I think he miscalculated yeah. like his position in the court and like right. and what killing was going to do. I mean, he didn't end up. I mean, I guess his life wasn't great afterwards, but like he didn't end up getting killed or anything. Just you know, mm-hmm. these royals were just exiled instead and not allowed to like you know live the life they were fully living before. Yeah. But yeah, I think he was expecting a completely different reaction from from everyone in the court. But I guess like the people were behind him it seems at least yeah i mean some of them the the, well the key thing is like you know a few months after the death of rasputin the czar and the whole russian royal family was also dead murdered by the bolsheviks and the revolution was in full swing so he was able to get out of the country before all that shit went down and some of the other co-conspirators were too so you know that's like you know i was watching um the HBO show uh, McMillions, yeah, about that the Monopoly scam. Did, have you seen that? No, how was it? Oh, it's really good. 
Um, it's, and it's, it's only six episodes. Um, I, I hi- highly recommend it. But the thing is, like, that's that was a huge story and, and a huge FBI takedown. But like nine like nine eleven happened like the day after the trial started, so it could completely push from the front page. Because as I was watching, I was like, "Why didn't I remember this?" Like I was, you know, from from back in like two thousand one. It's like this is a huge story, and it like it's kind of interesting, and it's like I played the Monopoly McDonald's Monopoly thing, but but that's why like it was completely washed off. So anyway, the point is like you know, World War One ending and the the Bolsheviks taking over like that's that kind of like if if there, he was able to sort of develop any sort of groundswell of support it it got pushed aside by the russian revolution right. so i guess and but that, i do think you're right that he miscalculated yeah and i yeah and i don't think it i thought he would i think he thought that it would really like propel him and people would be like oh you're so you're so amazing yes yeah. thank you thank you for helping us oh felix this and that and then it was <laughs> oh <just> felix like... <laughs> songs written about him oh felix right but yeah didn't didn't quite yeah. work out for him so i i want to hit the other two key conspirators uh key russian conspirators uh there's vladimir vladimir pulskovich um, who was a, apparently a huge asshole. He was a he was a politic he was a politico type. Um, who was in the Russian Duma, which I, I understand to be similar sort of to the parliament. Um, that's, that, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, um, but he was a staunch monarchist. Um, you know, really supported the royal family. And you know, there's in the background, World War One is going on, but there's also this groundswell of of communism basically that's that's developing like russia was very turbulent and, and all for a number of different reasons but this guy uh Pulskovich, um very much supported you know the maintaining the russian royal family the monarchy all that um he was also a, apparently a fascist and an anti-semite big surprise um but yeah he's just just a, an asshole but apparently he gave a lot of speeches um, about maintaining the monarchy and and about Rasputin and his influence specifically hated Rasputin and his influence and Felix Yusupov was inspired by him and they conspired to get they were the two key conspirators um, uh, that um, that planned the the hit and I want to get to this last guy um, Dmitri Dmitri Pavlovich um, who was actually had a really interesting background. Um, he, he was the, he was the first cousin of the czar and had, uh, some, some various, um, family issues as, uh, when he was a young kid that led to him be raised by his grand uncle or no, just no, his uncle. Um, and then also sort of by the czar, like he, he grew up, uh, he was, he's described as like essentially a foster son to the czar. Right. And heavily, so heavily enmeshed in the the Russian royal family, went into the military uh, from a young age and was successful there, um, but wasn't actively fighting in the war um, when World War One broke up, at least not initially. Um, uh, so yeah, and these two, these two Pavlovich and Pulskovich, uh, were both friends of Yusupov and planned the hit and were there and involved in the hit. Um, which we can get to shortly, but do you have any thoughts on these two 
two guys, these buddies of Felix. Um, I, I would say that these two were the like if if you're considering them as a trio, right? Felix mm-hmm. and these two, like these two were like the the real players involved. Why do you um, say that? Because they just seem more serious. Like like he, yeah, Felix set it up, and but he just seems like especially with the description of him just walking around his brown like he's almost he's almost like a party walking boy around too, in his brown. just sort of Felix, trying to find yeah. stuff to do like yeah. mm, i don't know maybe i'll do this and then these guys come in and they're serious they're like yeah especially that military dude the anti-semite and like i was looking at his pictures just now he looks he's terrifying <laughs> um <laughs> he does i agree yeah he does he yeah he looks like he's about some serious fucking business yeah too. he's like he's one of these people that would be like yeah you gotta die but maybe i'll do some experiments on you too <laughs> before you die like he looks scary and so i think they also manipulated Felix. Like, okay, we can use we can use this guy to to get what we want as well. Yeah, I mean, again, the Yusupov Felix family was wealthier than the than the Tsar and the Tsarina. So, yeah, if these two guys are are serious about like Dmitri, Dmitri, like uh, what's this, Vlad? I'm just gonna call him Vladimir. Uh, Vladimir definitely seems like the type who's like. If he even catches a whiff of Felix being interested in taking out Rasputin, he's going to be like, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, let's go full, yeah. full, full Monty on this on this dude." That's not the right expression, but uh, full bore, full metal jacket on this guy. Dimitri struck me more as like he's a military guy, so yeah, he can probably do some sort of rudimentary planning for it. Yeah, even though- I think so, but I I also feel like that Dimitri had more interest in sort of just because he was so ingratiated with the family and it was really like they raised him like more trying to protect um right like the queen and everybody else it wasn't it was it, it for for me i think his came more from a place of i guess love for them right as opposed to like trying to like boost himself up yeah no that's a good point yeah that, that's that's interesting so the, of the three yeah felix is more like it's a passing fancy and then he got roped into it and then he's like, eh, yeah, why not? Um, Dimitri, yeah, I totally got the read that he, he had this love for the, the royal family. He saw Rasputin as a potential, like, like a problem, but just like, it's sort of like, you know, if you, if you see like, like he didn't seem like he personally hated him in the way that Vladimir probably did. And maybe, yeah. maybe Felix also did. But Dimitri sort of more as like, this is just order of operations. Take this guy out, then things should be better. Right. Um, so with that, we can get into the actual hit, which was, which is, you know, the way I described it earlier, like, is pretty ridiculous, but, and it's not quite as ridiculous as I described it with like a skeleton popping up and then becoming some sort of demon in the woods. It's not that bad, but it is pretty bad. It is pretty crazy. Um, so, I mean, the outline of of the hit is similar to to what was described. Essentially, Yusupov had apparently been sort of ingratiating himself with Rasputin. Like once they made a decision to do this, he started ingratiating himself. I think he was going to Rasputin every now and then, um, just for some quote quote unquote healing, and sort of became friendly because 
if you're going to invite someone over at midnight, basically he did, he, there was a small party at Felix's mansion, which is called, I believe, Moika Palace. Um, great name. And he did, he did actually host a party the night of the assassination. Um, but he, and he invited him over at midnight, um, which is odd. Um, but Rasputin, I, th- I think he, he, I think Felix's attempts to, to ingratiate himself with Rasputin worked. I don't think it would be that hard necessarily. Just, you know, <laughs> go, go, go to him for some healing, invite him out for some drinks. Like, yeah. You know, like you. Just, I know. The the more I think about it now, I'm like, well, yeah. If, if Felix is kind of like a party boy, Rasputin kind of yeah. like a party boy, he's like, hey man, y'all come through. You know, <laughs> popping off over here. He's yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he he invited him. It's not like he just went over to his place at midnight. Like he had invited him previously, and that's a key point because Rasputin told Anna Virbova. Before he went over, he told her, like earlier that day, like, "Look, Felix invited me to a party at the mansion. Um, I'm going." And and Felix specifically said, "Come over with me and my wife, and 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 meet my wife, and and party it up." Now the yeah. key part there is after the assassination, um, Rasputin's daughter went to Virbova and said, "You know, my dad never came back." Virbova went to Tsarina Tsar, Alexandra. She said, oh, this is weird. Rasputin was supposed to have hung out with Felix and his wife. The Tsarina knew that Felix's wife was actually out of the country at that time. And that's the key point where they knew something mm-hmm. was up. And they had Felix and Dimitri, who were still on site after all this. Um, they had them uh, basically set under house arrest while the investigation went on. She was really upset. The queen, Virbova obviously was very upset, but the, the queen was also apparently very, very ex- upset. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if I have this quote, but she, the queen wanted them killed immediately. And I, I think her staff or, or whatever law enforcement apparatus had to talk her down from that. Um, she was livid. So uh, in any case, they, yeah, so they invited him over. Now, this is where we're going to get into and and again feel free to stop me if the the thing is there are multiple different conflicting accounts not really entirely conflicting but sort of different accounts of what happened at this dinner right <laughs> so i guess we'll just go through the ones that seem the most legitimate which basically state that Rasputin showed up at midnight the 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 people there were f- the three guys we talked about Felix Dmitri and Vladimir and then a couple other co-conspirators who were sort of lesser involved but also played a part they they made it look like the party was sort of winding down but that they were going to do like at late at late night drinks downstairs in the basement now in the basement they had prepared and this is this I should say this this is Felix's official account. So Felix again had this account. He wrote a couple books. They're believed to be embellished quite a bit for various reasons that we'll get into. But basically, they they poisoned with cyanide both his wine, the wine that they had prepared, and these uh, these desserts, which were like some sort of like a 
like a souffle or something like mini souffle yeah, something like that like so they put a bunch of cyanide in both of these that they thought would kill him pretty quickly so he shows up they start having drinks and, and chatting like a few of them and they see that the these cakes have no effect on him the cake like he's you know he's um he seems he seems to be fine apparently they say that he's belching uh, a bit more than usual <laughs> but that other than that that's the only effect so they then um are like at some point they're like fuck it we're still going through this i don't know if vladimir is like it's interesting to think like or to to wonder if like dimitri wanted to back out or felix wanted to back out at this point like like god damn I could see Felix being scared, like, uh, <laughs> maybe we just let him leave. Yeah, right, let's let's re let's reassemble <laughs> later. Um, uh, so, oh, actually, I wrote I wrote down this quote. Okay, so let me just read this. This will be a lot easier. Um, so he took Rasputin to a small but lavishly furnished cellar room of the palace, where he served Rasputin red wine. When, um. Now, see this. See this account is sort of different. Okay, so there's the cyanide lace cakes. Basically, it didn't work. So when Rasputin was affected by the wine to some degree, Yusupov retrieved a revolver and shot Rasputin from the side, taking him for dead. Yusupov uh, went upstairs to where the other conspirators waited in a ground floor study uh, slash drawing room. Rasputin succeeded in fleeing through a side door into a gated courtyard which opened onto the street outside. Uh, Vladimir then shot Rasputin in the back on the doorstep. The body was then taken inside, and a third bullet, fired at close range, entered his forehead. The conspirators then wrapped him, wrapped him up uh, in like a curtain, drove, to the outside, drove outside the city, and threw his body into the, the river Malaya Neva. So that's one account. Uh, the other account differs in that he. This one doesn't mention the poisoned uh, cakes and wine, um, but that's that's pretty consistent. Um, so they threw him in the river, and the thing there's a number of articles said that because they didn't weight his body down properly, so basically they they had them in this curtain that's wrapped up. The river was frozen, actually, so they cut a hole in the river, put him in there, but then apparently there's also this fur coat involved. Did you see that? I didn't see that one. So there's something with a fur coat. Essentially, the the so maybe they wrapped. Sink. Oh no, sorry. I know what it is. Let me let me back up. So they they did wrap him up in in. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm getting excited, so I'm like all over the place. Because so, this is the key part. So they wrapped him up in the curtain in the house after they shot him three times. The three the three hits, the three bullet holes are actually well documented. That's fact from the autopsy. Right. So, and including the, the kill shot, which was the one in the forehead. The first two went to his torso, the last one in the forehead from the front. Um, and he was wrapped up in this curtain thrown in this hole in the river but then they dressed up one of the co-conspirators in his fur oh, coat there you go right 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 so they drove they wanted because they wanted it to be seen like apparently they were driving around town slowly apparently this fur coat was so 
like identifiable with Rasputin too. Their plan was, well, everyone will see us even at night. Okay, sure. Uh, but this is just poor planning on their part. Everyone will see people in this coat. They'll even walk like outside and walk in the dark, you know, around the neighborhood of his his home. But actually, they're going to take uh, after they do all that charade. They're going to take the coat to one of the co-conspirators' homes and burn it. Now, the problem there is that once they got to the home, that guy's wife didn't want to burn it in in their fireplace. She thought it was too small. So then they were like, well, we got to get rid of this coat. So they weighted down the coat a little bit and put that in the same hole uh, that they put Rasputin's body in. Boom. Yeah, you know, like for such a, I guess, high-profile murder, like these guys... This is very poor execution. Like for it's such a high profile target, it's like what? What are you doing? Poor planning too. Yeah, like even the and plan that's the is part that disturbs me too. I guess yeah. because they didn't have their. I, I guess they didn't have a backup, right? Their idea was the right. poison, nice and easy, be done. Well, they did have the guns, so I guess that was the backup. But but then they just shot. They shot him once, and they were just like, well. All right, cool. We're done. Let's go uh, finish off this wine and then uh, get rid of this body, right? But they came down and he was still alive. And so that's when they had to, and he'd almost like escaped with a bullet in him. And then they had to shoot him two more times, including once in the head. So yes, that's bad execution, but also bad planning. So anyway, the the deal is that the, the fur coat part is key because apparently they thought he was going to sink down the body sink down to the bottom of that river. The river actually flows into this uh, larger body of water. I think it's the, called the Bay of Finland or something, like pretty pretty far out to, to sea eventually, so it would never be found. But the, the body only went like 200 meters down from where they, they left. It's still in the city, like <laughs> in the city. A, co- a cop went was walking by. He saw the fur coat, like sort of like the fur coat got bunched up with the curtain and the body, or or it landed at the same time or at the same place that the body did, and it stuck. So it was stuck there, two hundred meters away. A cop was just walking by. He found it. Um, he had the the body removed, and I think this was a day or so later. So Yusupov and like. The, ho- the house arrest and all that was sort of happening concurrently. Like they knew he was killed or something happened. And then the body was found like a day later. And then they're like, okay, the jig is up. But again, Felix was like, yeah, we did this. Like they thought that they were free, like freedom fighters at this point. Like, or like, yeah, yeah. Like to your point, no, no denial. Yeah, of course anything. we killed him. Like, but yeah. We had to save the monarchy. Like, of course, you know, you know how bad this guy was, but like, yeah, they miscalculated that the queen was, was going to be super pissed about this and actually do an investigation. And so the body was found and an, an official autopsy was done. And when the autopsy was done, the key point is that there was no uh, cyanide or any poison found in his system. Right? So yeah, that begs the question, like, they might, like, he might have had, Look, he could probably have a pretty high tolerance for all kinds of intoxicants and toxins generally, but not a bunch of cyanide. So the theory is that that part was embellished in because that comes from Yusupov's 
uh, memoirs and his accounts. And the idea is that when he's writing these, like 10 years later, and I think another one, like 20 years after that, he's trying to still make himself look good and justified. So I think the theory is that he he said, oh, look, this guy is a super demon. He can even survive tons of cyanide. Like, they embellished to make him look like more of a worthy yeah, adversary. Yeah, I, I could see that. It seems likely that they just shot him. Uh, they shot him a few times. Maybe he was able to get up after the first shot and run a little bit, but it seems yeah, like... Yeah, it's probably like he, he came, they hung out, you know, they tried to relax him, gave him some wine, have him eat some some snacks and desserts, you know, <laughs> lull him into a false sense of security, and then yeah. shoot him. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder, how, how common is it to come over at, like, mid, like I guess you sort of think, when you think of old-time stuff, you never picture it in the same way. Like here in New York, going out at midnight, that's... That's not a huge deal. Maybe that's not even really that late, really, because stuff is open till four. But back then, you know, you feel people were more laid back, you know. But maybe not. Like maybe showing up at midnight wasn't that abnormal. Certainly not for someone like Rasputin. Um, I mean, it yeah, just seems I, suspicious I feel- that. It, it was real. That was real suspicious to me. Like why but- wasn't why wasn't Rasputin suspicious enough to? to not go there. But, he must have done it before. Yeah. At know. the same time, he's been enmeshed in the royal family for about 10 years at this point. So he's probably had been to tons of parties. You know? Yeah, I always just had this idea that parties started like six or seven and people, by midnight, people were yeah. either at home, in their own home already or leaving. Yeah. Or like doing some weird, like orgy shit religious <laughs> religious you know, yeah, some, some whip, old shit at that yeah, point like a whip <laughs> one of those whip orgies yeah. uh, but I mean for someone like you know there is this sort of like you know the royals and the nobles like they party it up whatever they want because they can do whatever they want they don't have nine yeah. to five jobs um so yeah so he he was killed the the stuff about his body floating downriver to where some peasants found it. No, that, that didn't happen because his body was still found in the city. Um, there was no pop locking on a stake. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, like an official autopsy was performed. Um, they, let's see, I, I have this report. Um, three gunshot wounds, one, one to the forehead. There were some injuries sustained post-mortem, but that was probably them just like bungling as they're carrying him and trying to shove him into a car and then into the river. Um, yeah, the body was found 200 meters downriver two days later. Um, and there was no poison or water in the lungs. So he was dead, but you know, there's, there's no poison in the body. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll get to the second, the second twist to this conspiracy in a sec, but, um, you know, he he they succeeded um in killing him. Like it didn't produce the result that they wanted. No. Um he was he look, he he was in enmeshed in the in the royal family for a long time. Like they I don't know if love is, is too strong of a word there, but you can't just like that's another stupid aspect to this. Like you gotta 
you can't just do this. Like the it's fucking <laughs> king and queen. Are friends yeah, with you him. can't just do that and, and think it's going to be all good. After you, and the queen after thinks, and the queen thinks that this guy is able to like magically cure. Like she truly believes cure he can son. magically cure yeah. their only son. Like it's not going to be good. Just yeah, like I don't know. It's just like that much class, like class hate for this peasant who came up like this. You know, maybe maybe they wanted to be closer to the royal family, and I don't. But Dimitri was already in it, like uh, yeah. And yeah, they a, were all like, yeah. I don't know what they were getting out of it. I mean, they were all, I guess, just his influence out. But but yeah, I, I don't. You think they would have read the room a little bit better and seen <laughs> just how much he really meant to her. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to to make of that. I mean, I guess they're just cocky. You know, they they thought. I guess they again. They think. Look, we kill him at the end of the day. The queen is going to be like, well, he was a peasant. <laughs> or maybe they were. I think they, they thought that that's what the queen would think. You know. Yeah, that she would just let it go, or that um. The czar would come back and be like, "Nah, it's all good, guys. You did the right thing." Yeah, be like, quiet her down. But yeah, I don't. That, that guy smelled every time he was around. Like I don't. Like, <laughs> he was, it was like me crazy eyes. Like I didn't yeah, like to... <laughs> give me those crazy eyes. I could smell him. Like I could smell a bag of garlic knots through the door at, at ten paces. <laughs> um. Yeah, but those those crazy eyes too, man. But yeah, scary. Look, like, don't look at those pictures. It might, like, hypnotize you or something. I I feel like, yeah, I don't like looking. I honestly don't like looking at those photos of, of Rasputin too long because, Mm-mm. yeah, he's always looking directly at the camera. You do feel like you you could get sucked into the photo somehow, and then and then <laughs> yeah. you're like sitting somehow you're sitting on his you're sitting on his lap at the photo, and he's just, then he turns his head slowly to look at you. Oh my gosh. And again with the eyes, and then the eyes go black. That's so scary. And then everything goes black. Is that like a dream that happened to you last night after you were? <laughs> I did. I have a dream about this. I feel like I've been like, like we read a lot about this. Like this, this is more, and it's not like some easy to watch like documentary. This is all hard reading with like. Russian name, a lot of Russian names that I'm not really oh, familiar yes. with. Not familiar how to pronounce them. This was more, one of the more tense ones. But anyway, okay, so let's get to the the twist in the conspiracy theory. Um, and twist. And this, and sh- short, long story short with this twist is that actually the British Secret Service, MI6, is the is the was the driving force behind this hit, and and ha- they actually had an agent placed, an agent who was actually at the party, uh, this guy by the name of Oswald Rayner, who is actually the one who pulled the the headshot, the trigger on the headshot. He's never mentioned by any of the official conspirators in any of their accounts. Because it was a, an MI6 planned operation, um, and their reasoning for it is that they suspected that Rasputin was encouraging the Tsarina 
to tell her husband to just make just this war is not is going poorly too many russians are dying which is true that you know russians suffered like insane amount of casualties and and so that that Rasputin was going to prevail upon the Tsarina to prevail upon her husband to basically just make a deal with Germany end the war which would mean that Germany could then focus on the western front and against England and 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 their allies and they apparently apparently MI6 really did believe that Rasputin was a threat it's less clear that Oswald Rayner was there but there is some compelling evidence. Uh, this guy Oswald Rayner was an MI6 agent and was stationed in um, is is Petrograd, right? Or same yeah, that's where he was. Because, yeah, this is the same place. Same place, I think, just different names. I don't know, but wherever this happened. Oh no, wait, right. was no, the other place? sorry, it was in. No, it was, it in, was definitely Petrograd. It was Petrograd because that's where the Yusupov's palace was. Saint Petersburg is where the royal family lived, but Petrograd is where the Yusupovs had that mansion where Rasputin was killed. So, so Oswald Rayner was an MI6 agent who was stationed there, and he was recruited. And he he went to he went to Oxford, and was actually friends with Felix Yusupov. They both met at Oxford, um, and and became friends and maintained a friendship. Um, now, this guy, there's another guy, Samuel Hoare, or Hoare. It's it's spelled H-O-A-R-E. Never know how to pronounce this. Um, and he was the head of MI6 in Petrograd, and he was the first to report back to the UK uh, on Rasputin's death. And and he so this guy Samuel Hoare is actually the guy who recruited Oswald Rayner out of college to become an MI6 agent. Um, uh, buh, buh, buh. And it is rumored that Oswald Rayner is the one who. Um, who fired the the final bullet, and the reason that you know Vladimir Dmitri and Felix never mentioned it is because they were in on it. They were basically told by, like it's it's unclear if MI6 drove the whole thing and put the idea in Felix's head through Oswald Rayner, and then they actually planned and set everything up. And then once it once it, he was dead, Oswald just just booked it out. Um, but there is this very compelling bit of evidence that i want to read um wh- what are your thoughts quick quickly while uh um, I, I don't think they were there but i could definitely see the motive for mi6 to have him killed and if they you know they if they have people in position to take this out that they feel needed just like a little bit of push or a little convincing I don't see it like outside the realm of possibility, and especially like if somebody um, was just throwing some influence on Felix. I don't think the other two really needed that much, mm. but if they could, you know, just push Felix a little bit to kill, because he doesn't seem like the type of person that would come up with a murder plot. Felix, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's I don't. It's not much of a plot. No, it's just... but see, that's see, but then that's also the same thing. Like maybe somebody puts it in his head, and they're like, and then they walk away and oh, it comes yeah. up with this cockamamie scheme, <laughs> like this plan. Like... Yeah, because all you need, you know, like all you need to do is push the first domino over, and then yeah. Felix. But then you, but the thing is, if this is that important to MI6, 
you got to make sure it actually happens. So maybe maybe this is something sure. that Rayner had talked with him about a lot and encouraged him. But then, okay, he didn't necessarily have to be there because it does. I'll, I'll grant you that it does seem strange that uh, it, since there were roughly six or seven people there uh, in in the cellar or whatever at Moika Palace, it seems like someone at some point would have mentioned, "Oh yeah, also there's this British guy there, uh, Oswald." Yes. But I do want to read this quote, which, uh, so there was, there, so there's Rayner and this guy Hoare. There are also two other British MI6 agents that were in the area. And this is a documented letter that those two sent to each other eight days after the, the murder. And it, this quote from this letter goes, although matters have not proceeded entirely to plan, our objective has clearly been achieved. A few awkward questions uh, have already been asked about, about wider involvement. Rayner is attending to loose ends and will no doubt brief you. And I'm sorry, this is a truncated version of a quote that I that I read in full in another source. Um, but it basically said, the demise of, it's a, it references, our objective has clearly been achieved, the demise of, and they had a nickname for Rasputin, which is something like, the dark horizon or something <laughs> this is you know what i gotta find that detail yeah that's a good one so <laughs> his nickname would yeah be? the nickname um, is, i i'm blanking what it was and this this quote is like a truncated version of the larger quote which i also read but the, basically it does literally it does explicitly say the demise of dark horizon has been achieved so these these are two other mi6 agents talking to themselves about the death of Rasputin, saying our plan, our plan, or went entirely to plan. Our objective has been achieved, and Rayner specifically mentioned Rayner by name uh, is attending to the loose ends. Well, I I feel like Rayner would be the handler just because of his relationship with Felix, right? So if there was somebody that was communicating, it would probably be him, and he would have some kind of influence. Also, in one of those um, pages that you sent, it did say that he's the one that helped with writing the account. Yes, um, yeah, that's that's a key so point. He, yeah, so he's the one. He helped. Just to, he helped Felix write his first memoirs. Like that's documented fact. Like he he helped him. I, it was something like he helped him with the English translation or something to that effect. But he was heavily involved in the writing of Felix's book. So if he's an and he is an MI6 agent, and he's already prevailed upon Felix to I keep using the phrase prevailed upon. Um, <laughs> if he also if he's already convinced Felix to do this hit, and then he's writing the memoirs a couple of years later, it's not going to be that hard to convince him to leave certain things out of it or embellish certain things as well to you know in a way that would keep mi6 and england out of it entirely uh-huh. um, so I, I i did also see something about the autopsy where it was like different bullets yeah that's so that i was just going to get to different that guns yeah so the the key there is that it seems like all three shots are from different guns and it seems like the headshot might have come from a revolver that was known to be like standard issue for uh, British MI6 agents, which means that it was unlikely that any of the Russians involved there would have had it. And I saw, I did see another report in another article that it wasn't actually from this this specific gun that I'm blanking on the name. Is it like a Webley or something? Um, 
Wait, what did you say? I think you were close. Oh, yeah. So there's a, there's another theory that it wasn't actually from that type of gun. Oh, there's the web, that it Webley, is. Webley revolver. Yes, there's theories. Like that. Yeah. There's a theory that it is that the the third the headshot bullet did come from a gun like that, and there's I also saw another report saying that it didn't. So, oh, I mean, what about this one? That like maybe as they were driving around, I'm just throwing this out there. Mm-hmm. He had met them somewhere during their drive just to verify that it was the body that was dead. Like that was oh. his own confirmation. And then like he puts a bullet in the forehead and then leaves them to continue with their drive or something. I don't know. Maybe yeah. something like that could have happened. Maybe too. he I mean he could have even just supplied them with his gun. Yeah, very true. He could have supplied and them. And yeah, I do I do like the idea that yeah, he's not actually there because there is a risk. You know, if he's Felix's friend, okay, cool, but you don't you you don't want to start introducing a lot of other variables to this, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically. And this, you know, this came up in the McMillions thing, like they had like fifty different people involved in this scam, oh, and so it's like, really? of course you're going to get caught. Can't control that. Yeah, no, not a chance. So involving even, but involving even six people, and even back then, um, when communication just generally was slower, um, is risky. So if he could just have his Rainer has his ties to Felix, just yeah, just drive. Let me see the body, or just inspect it really quick. Like you're do, you're doing your country a service great service like yeah yeah something like that so yeah in in the end i would it's definitely a high possibility that even if that no one was there from mi6 that they definitely had knowledge of the plot and perhaps like some influence i mean apparently mi6 had knowledge of rasputin's influence over the royal family like they knew that and apparently, I also read from the Queen's own, or sorry, the Tsarina's own like diaries, she did report that Rasputin was, at least to some degree, advocating to, for ending the war. But his reasoning being he just didn't want to see all these Russians murdered. Like, he was like, yeah. this is a slaughterhouse. We're not, like, it's actually a pretty astute observation on what was going on uh, in the war. And... I mean, you know the the Russians. I'm 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 not a hundred percent clear on World War One history, but you know because the revolution happened, I believe they did end their engagement in the war anyway. But the British won anyway. But all of that happened roughly. Well, no, I guess the war ended in 1918, so there's like another year. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was a legitimate concern probably, for MI. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that he would also. Just because of his upbringing and who who he was, he would definitely provide a different perspective of just like the people that were actually dying, you know, as opposed oh, to oh, yeah. royals just sitting in their royal court. And but you know where he's from, it's those are the people that are dying. Yeah, that's a great point. You know? Yeah, the, the the people, man. He does it for the people. Yep. That's. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Do I think the Brits were involved? Um, I I think, like you said, it's highly possible. I have, I think, I think it's well documented that Oswald Rayner, who is friends with, like, they're friends, and he's an MI6 agent. I don't know. Like, I'm leaning towards it being true, that there's some direct involvement by MI6. Now, him being there and firing the last shot... 
I don't know if I'm going that far, Mm -hmm. but I think I'm comfortable saying that MI6 was involved to some degree. Mm. I'll leave it at that. But in, and I, I have this last thing we can we can sort of close on. Unless you have any other, did we miss any? This is just sort of a no, coda. I think that was it, for the most part. Yeah. So there was a funeral, official funeral uh, for Rasputin that was attended by the royal family. He was buried uh, in a small church that uh, Anna Virbova built uh, on her property. Um, and his family actually met with, with her later. They weren't at the family, weren't at the funeral. Uh, I guess they weren't allowed to be there, but, um, they were able to meet with Ani or sorry, Anna Virbova, um, who just sort of commiserate. And, um, she eventually wound up, uh, I believe in Paris or England, uh, and, and she became a nun, um, but apparently, yeah, so the, the body was, after the revolution kicked off, um, the Bolsheviks did find the body. It was exhumed and then burned. Oh, that's probably where that, the burning part came from. But it, it was just by, by soldiers. Like, it was exhumed and burned uh, after the Tsar abdic- abdicated uh, because they didn't want any sort of uh, rallying point or martyr. Um, which I don't think they really had to worry about because... Although the royal family liked Rasputin, I don't think an, enough of the common folk were gonna they, they weren't gonna rally around Rasputin's death. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. And it didn't seem like the Bolsheviks really cared about him that much. So, but I guess it doesn't hurt to do it just in case. I don't know. This is a very tumultuous time. The Russian Revolution was. But yeah, you know, again, it's it's hard to get a, even to this day. I I mean, maybe if I were, I'm sure there's biographies on this guy that I could get into. And actually, I did read. There's back when I would go to the bookstore more more often, there was a book about the Romanovs, like a really big one that came out a couple years ago. And I did, I think I did pick it up and go straight to the Rasputin stuff. And there was some info on him that was pretty in-depth. I'm blanking on what it was, and I'm sure there's other books about him. Um, But from from what we did, it's hard to get a read on him, really. Was he an evil manipulator asshole? Was he a wizard? Does magic really exist? Yeah, what, like... Was it just you know, coincidence that that his, you know, that his uh, recommendations worked right. from all the way in Siberia? Like, yeah. Was he able to pull this stuff off? The world will never know. Um, I don't. Now that we're talking about conspiracies, um, it just jogged my memory because my mom sent me a text about this Michael Jordan stuff. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. About that guy, I don't remember if we talked about it, but about that, we talked. We went in depth, but yeah, um, yeah. Listeners yeah, can go to our our Michael Jordan. Yeah. I don't remember the number. Sorry, but um, yeah, we did an in depth conspiracy segment on uh, the Michael Jordan. Uh, I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes uh, so people can. Yeah, because the la- last week they did talk about his his gambling debt and that personal check he wrote mm-hmm. for $57,000 and then had to testify about it in court. I think we did cover that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, if people have been staying at home watching that. Did you, so did you, did you watch that episode? I, I do. I watched it. Yeah. What did they say about it? Did they just leave it at that? Like he, um, he just had to admit at, it was a gambling debt and then they moved on. They, they talked about, cause the gambling was a big deal. Cause it, um, they brought it into the whole, um, Eastern conference finals against the Knicks when he went down to Atlantic city after one of the games right. and came back and then that's how everything started to explode but they just they talked about his gambling it was like for a whole 15 minutes they were just talking about his gambling huh and then how he initially had said that it was a uh, personal loan to this guy to right. like slim slim something um with the jared curl they had some good footage of him oh really <laughs> yeah um and then in court under oath he had to testify that it was a to pay off a gambling debt right yeah yeah but it, but the but he, what were they gambling on golf um he just slim, he just slim with gambling. the jerry curl uh getting into the country club i think it golf? Was slim what was his name slim boulet i think it was <laughs> it was a pretty good name that is pretty good and, and then they showed him i was like mm, he would he would be slim <laughs> um did it say what the gambling was about? Bowler, bowler, bowler. Now I had to look it up. Slim bowler. Yeah, there it is. Um, say that again. Did it say what they were gambling over? Was it just like um, cards? No, but in in the in the show in the episode, it said he was a a noted um, golf hustler and <laughs> just like all around bad person. Um, what was I don't remember exactly what he was on trial for. Where this, where the check came to light, and then Michael had to testify, but mm-hmm. it wasn't good. It was like it may have been like drug trafficking charges, oh shit, or something. But he was on, yeah, he was on a serious trial, and then Michael had to testify about that check. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure we got like this is sounding familiar. I mean, we did that like a couple years ago, but it, that part's sounding familiar. So, uh, when we covered, we covered the the death of michael jordan's dad actually um yeah definitely touched on his gambling issues but uh in any case uh, i think we can wrap up but we gotten this has been a, one of our longer episodes in recent times which is good i think we did pretty in-depth coverage coverage is that how it's pronounced is that a french word <laughs> sorry i can't don't know i don't speak fluent français. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god the cover on uh yeah any closing thoughts no i mean eat something green um eat something dang, green. i was trying to fit it in but i couldn't really fit it in i thought about it before but then i was like oh yeah i gotta fit this in but now it's the end of the episode i wanted to fit in like rasputin putin get them like rasputin <laughs> but i from yeah, rasputin to putin like Get them cute as cute. Yeah, it just didn't it didn't work out for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to try and work it in, like it, you know, but yeah. Dang. All right. Well, maybe some other time. <laughs> All right. Eat something green. Drink some water. Don't drink too much wine. That's right. Build up your tolerance for cyanide. Do not do that. Way. Don't do that. <laughs> This is podcast. Yeah. <laughs>